there's a lot of pressure, you know. The, the pastor comes up and says, this is it. Th this is it. Everything that you've done is leading up to this point. Here he is, Pastor Ken. <laughs> and then I come up, hey guys, what's up? Uh, let me tell you, let me throw out some uh, uh, stats here, okay, just, uh, just to, uh, as a way of uh, introduction. Do you know that as I speak and I'm talking with you, that on the average you only retain 10% of, of the 100% of, your, of, of what I'm going to say, that, that, that as I'm transmitting, as I'm, as I'm talking, as, as my words are going in your mind, right, like, if I give you 10 things, one thing gets swallowed up. If I give you 100 things, you, if I give you 100 stuff, you only catch on to 10 stuff. 10%. And I think that's because of the fact that doing some research that, you know, we know that children are, are they, they don't really concentrate that well. We know that. You know, me being a uh, children's pastor and a youth pastor, I, I see that, you know. But then, you know, uh, from high school, they go out to college, and they're in the big boy chair. You know, I'm talking about the auditorium, the first level, the general elective uh, uh, class, and there's like 100 people, and then you have the auditorium seat. Now you feel like an adult, and now all these uh, high schoolers that all of a sudden are college students now act very adult-like. And what they learn is, is uh, they learn to how to mask their, uh, their not being able to concentrate. And that goes on to today because of the fact that uh, research shows that, uh, that most of us uh, have a concentration, on average, uh, of seven minutes. Me too. I was shocked too. But that re that's research. It's semi-factual, so what can you say? You know, everybody knows that, everybody who goes to church and knows me a little bit knows that I, I am a uh, Patriots fan. Uh, there was a game... A Super Bowl game, and most of some of you guys were there, where the Patriots were down 28, 25, 28 points. It was a miserable night. It was so miserable that I couldn't watch the game because there was absolutely no hope of my beloved Patriots winning. How much do I love the Patriots? I love the Patriots to name my dog after a Patriot player. And so given that, I, I, just, I just couldn't do it. I just, I just couldn't do it. So what did I do? I had, I had some money riding on the line because I bet some people that they would win because I was so sure that they would win. And, uh, and I was pretty... Who can come back from a deficit like that? 
So like a child through a fit, a tantrum, said, kids, honey, let's go home. But I couldn't say that because I'm a senior pastor of a local church. And so because of that, I had to be like, oh, you know what? I have to go read and do quiet time or something like that. <laughs> and then so I would ease on home, you know, and all the way home because my family knows me. I'm ranting and raving. I'm not even ranting and raving. I'm just brooding. You know, and uh, people that, you know, people that know me well, you know, I'm pretty ruthless when, I, when, I come th when it comes to winning. But when it comes to losing, I'm like a sore loser. And so, and, but the other, other people are pretty ruthless on me as well, you know, to just to pay me back, I guess. And that's fine. But at any, at any rate, I couldn't watch the game. I would occasionally sneak a peek Eh, they got a touchdown. Eh, all right, they're inching their way. And even close to the end, when the point was even getting a little closer, I couldn't watch because I couldn't bear the thought of losing. Mind you, this is only a football game. But I went out, outside the port, outside my, uh, my patio, and just put it down, and I'm just huffing and puffing, just trying to ex escape my thoughts and maybe talking to some people. So, you know, uh, how was your day? Uh, your day was good? Good, good. Sunday, Sunday, today's Sunday service was good. What, what do you think, huh? And, you know, conversations like that, all the while, my, my actual thought is on the game. But the next thing you know, I get a phone call from, from people and, and, and from the, those people that, that owes me money now <laughs> because uh, I didn't know, but they come to find out somehow the Patriots won. Yeah, 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 of course the Patriots won. I have faith all the time, of course. I, I lied. I couldn't believe it. Can I tell you? The next day, Monday morning, I sat down in my couch, had my coffee, and I'm watching the game. I'm watching the game. Oh, they're down 28 points. <laughs> drinking, just drinking my coffee, having a scone here and there, you know, just, wow, oh, great. Brady, another interception. Oh, it's all right. And I watched the game all the way through with poise and clarity, knowing that my team would win. What was the difference between when the game was actually happening and when the game already happened, and I played on replay. Well, Pastor Kenny, you already knew the outcome. Yeah, exactly, that's right. Beloved, the reason why we could live through life 
that we can go and ease our way through life is because of the fact that we have victory. Amen? That in Christ, we've won. Past tense. That in Christ, that we are not only Super Bowl champions, but champions of all the world and universe because of Christ. A lot of times, the reason why we have a hard time is because the world weighs us down. And the reality of the world is more than the reality of God. I've been saying this for people who talk with me for a little bit. You know, when I tend to read books and things like that, there are things that catch my eye, and so I have a big mouth and I just share, you know? And sometimes, you know, I'd you know, I, I be like, man, I'm going to say this in my sermon, and this sermon, this, this thing is going to be the oomph, you know? This is going to be the driving force that, that really, like, captures it, but me, I just can't do that. I just don't have a brain for that, you know. I just didn't have, I don't have the discipline for that, you know. So I just blurt out everything. But then I was reading the statistics and saying that you only retain 10% of your, or whatever I say. So good, I'll repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. So people who heard the statement, you know, good, remember even more. After all, you guys retain 10%. Sorry, I'm not going to keep on badgering you about that. Frederick Nietzsche states, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Frederick Nietzsche, a, 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 an atheist, an existential atheist, said that. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. We'll get back to that statement later. You know, in this section of Scripture, we see Peter, the, the uh, appointed leader of this, of this new movement, Christianity, uh, is being raised up. Well, it kind of depends on how you look at it. It's all perspectives, right? Because right now, uh, Peter doesn't seem be, being raised up. Actually, he's be, it seems like he's being like broken down. And we see in order for God to use Peter, there has to be work. a change in his personal judgment. And this change in his personal judgment will result in the spreading of the gospel to the world. In other words, thank God it's not up to Peter. Thank God this Christianity was not up to Peter. Although Peter was appointed as a leader of this 
Christian movement, that it was not up to Peter, but of God. Because if it was up to Peter, <laughs> you and I would not be here. We'd probably be in some kind of temple or something. Peter is called out to Samaria, a uh, place where uh, the Jews, the people that the Jews did not like, looked down upon. And Peter's view would be radically changed. His perceptions, his prejudice will, would be radically changed. That God indeed not only love the Jews, but God would love Gentiles. Yes, Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? You and I. Korean, Chinese, African. Asian. Caucasian. Indian, whoever you are. You know, I don't think that we, we've, we've realized the, the, the importance of the sermon last week or what happened last week. Do you, do you guys know what happened last week? Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the announcement of uh, what, what, what was actually happening last week when... when, when um, Peter was called to uh, uh, the centurion, Cornelius the centurion. I'll tell you what happened, okay? But before that, you know, I, I, I want you to realize that, you know, uh, in our world, we, uh, we memorialize a lot of things, you know? Uh, the first man to go to the moon, like Neil Armstrong, you know? Buzz Aldrin, you know? Uh, we, we, we see uh, the, the first... Uh, First time a man flew on an airplane, you know, the Wright brothers, right in North Carolina, right? The, uh, even bad things when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in, in December 7, 1941. But did you know what happened last week? Well, you know, you should have, we, we, should have had a we should have had a celebration for that because it was the first time that a Jew... And a Gentile came together and had Bible study. It was the first time in the history of this world where a Jew and a Gentile had a service together. And that marks something. It marks a day in our history where, where one of us became part of God, part of God's kingdom where the first Gentiles were converted. This is our history. That day changed it for all of us. And we missed it. You know? As Peter is bearing the witness to all that. And Peter And Peter's uh, bearing the witness, experiencing, bearing the witness of all the things that God is doing. But now what? You know, 
when we start, when the, when the whole Christianity movement here started off, you know, it was, it was like, you know, people were praying for boldness. Lord, please let me bold, be bold. Let me, please be, let me be strong. Let me, let me be able to you know, preach your word to, to all of the world. And, and, and God's prayer was answered. There was persecution. There was rampant persecution. And the Christians had to be bold. Some of them even died. But a new boldness is taking place, I want you to see. A famous man once says, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies but just as much to stand up to our friends. Albus Dumbledore. (laughs) In the culture that I grew up in, good news spreads fast. You know, good news spreads pretty fast, you know, in, in, in my culture. Oh, you know what, Kenny? Your cousin just got accepted to Yale. That's nice. Oh, your other cousin just won a Grammy. Thank you. But what I noticed was that bad news even spreads faster. Did you know that this person got cancer? That person stole money from the church. That family's, the family's not doing well. And it's, it spreads faster and wider and more rampant like crazy. You know, I suspect that this, this is not only for my culture, but I'm sure it's uh, for every culture as well, that good news travels fast, bad news travels even faster. And it's, uh, and it's the same here, too. You know, as we see, uh, as uh, Peter is experiencing all these things, like going to uh, Samaria and finding that these Samaritans were accepting Christ, these half-breed, the half Jewish people that are, are, are accepting Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, centurion, these, the, the centurion, he represents the tyranny, the oppressors of, of, of uh, Jewish society. And then all of a sudden, the good news is going to them. That's bad news if you're a Jew, an Israelite or Christian back in these days. They're the oppressors. They can't receive Jesus. That's my God, not their God. But all of a sudden, these people are receiving God too, that God loves the centurion. It's bad enough that God loves the Samaritans, but Lord, would you love a centurion? Do you know what he did? Do you know what kind of things that he believes? Do you know the atrocities that he's committed to our people? You know, this day and age, you know, for us Christians who are a little bit more mature, we would think that it's good news that these Gentiles, these, these, these people are... are Receiving God's word, you know, maybe something great, but but I think I think we talk from um, from being too spoiled. 
if there's a person that you hated, if there's a person that you despised, all of a sudden receives Christ, it's not too good of news. To the Israelites who believed in God throughout Samaria, Jerusalem, it was not good news. This was terrible news. We need to keep this religion in the Abrahamic bloodline. You know, there may be events, things happening in, 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 in your lives right now that maybe you're not in a good place, that, that somehow, whether you see God working or not, or God working in a very different way, I don't know. That you may see something as an abomination, maybe, to your worldview, and you say, God can't possibly work in this way. It's not our role to judge. I've been saying these days that it doesn't take too much talent to see evil in this world because there's plenty of it. It doesn't take any talent. It doesn't take any, any special trait for us to be judgmental. Because that's very much in our nature, the Bible tells us. A Christian is a, or a person who humbles him or herself to see how God is moving in their world. A Christian is a person who humbles him or herself to see how God is moving in their world. Throughout all this, repenting and worshiping, being humble enough to repent, being humble enough to go back to God and say, I don't know. So what does Peter do you know, thus, thus far we, we talked about the, the, the external uh, boldness that, uh, you know, there, there was an internal boldness where, where Peter was allowing him to change. Now, in the, uh, in the words of uh, uh, Professor Dumbledore, you know, uh, what does he do next? Well, you know, what he does is shares with his friends. He's called to his friends because his friends are like, what are you doing, Peter? This Christianity thing is for us, not for them. So what Peter does is he shares the internal experiences, the, 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 uh, the internal experiences that he's having by God. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending uh, descending, being let down from heaven by its four corner, and came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and the beasts of prey, reptiles, birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat it. But I said, By no means, Lord, I'm nothing, uh, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Meaning, 
Peter was kosher. He did not eat pork. He did not eat meat that was unkosher, you know. And, uh, but God's saying, eat now. And he says, no, I will not eat. But, uh, uh, you know, he says it by no means. But the voice commanded a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. And so Peter would listen to that and say, no, Lord. And then Peter said, this happened to me three times. And everything was drawn up in heaven. And, um, you know, uh, and it's, it's really weird. You know, uh, Peter has this affinity of threes, you know. Uh, you deny me three times. Do you love me? You know, Jesus have to tell him three times. Do you ask him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, um, you know there's this uh, ongoing joke that people, you know, I, I told pe- people uh, that... People have always compared me with, with like, Peter, like, the bad traits of Peter, you know? And what is it? Stubbornness. That God had to go to Peter three times and ask him three times. And this is not God, like, where he's on earth and everything like this. This is God from heaven talking to Peter. I understand. And he goes on. And behold, that very, at that very moment, three men arrived at the, at the house in which we were, in which we were uh, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. The sixth brother also accompanied me. And we went there. We went, we, and, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how... Uh, he had seen the angel in his, uh, standing in the house saying, uh, send, uh, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us in the beginning. Peter would go on to explain to his friends what God has done in his life and how he's transformed. Do you have boldness like that? Do you have boldness like that? A mother a father, a brother, a sister, an old friend, a co-worker. This, these are Peter's close friends. You know, Professor Dumbledore is right. It's harder to share with a friend. Be, be, it's harder to share, be bold to a, a, a friend than a stranger. But experience alone doesn't do it, does it? No, it doesn't. Because, you know, in our individual, in, in this Western society that we all grew up in, We put 
much more emphasis are, are on our individual experiences. And we see that in our culture. Let love lead the way. Whatever you feel, that's, that's, that's who you are. What you feel matters the most. Not with Peter. And not with Christians. As Peter is telling his experience, his experience is ultimately validated upon the word of Christ. Peter's experience, the experience that he's having with God, is validated by God's word. And I remember the words of the Lord, how he said, John, baptize me with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Does your experience lead you to God's word? Does what you say, what you experience, whatever it may be, it could be a bad experience, a good experience, whatever the case may be, does your experience lead to God's word? If it doesn't, that's because it originates from this world, not from God. And what's really, really awesome and amazing, you see, beloved, is this. Is that as these experiences are happening, as people are sharing within the church, within the family, within, within your life, as, as people are, are sharing all this, the core of the church will be transformed. The core of the, the very core of the church will be transformed. How, you say, Pastor Kenny, how? When they heard these things, they fell silent. As Peter was saying all these things and just and, and, and with an exclamation mark that says, Do you remember what Jesus did in our lives? Jesus doing the same thing with these people. And a wonderful thing about the church was that they stayed silent. And number two, 
They would glorify God, saying, Then to the Gentile also God has granted repentance that leads to life. The very core, the very foundation of the church has changed. And from this point on, the church would spread all over the world. Does your experience lead you to God's word? Let me tell you about God's word. God's final word was Jesus, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that Jesus that, that, that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and that's Jesus Christ. In obedience to God's word, Jesus denied his experience, his feelings, and went to the cross. In Matthew 26, 39, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me because Jesus Christ did not want to die. But more than not dying, he didn't want to be separated from God the Father. Not as I will, but as you will. Jesus would be obedient because his ultimate love is God. We began the sermon by, by a quote by Frederick Nietzsche. He who has the why to live can almost bear any how. Do you know why you live? Do you know the purpose of your life? Let me present to you a why. Well, let me present to you an easier why, then I'll get, you, I'll get to another why. We, read, we sung a, a hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Not a bad theology. Not a bad theology. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then from there, you can develop a why. Why? Why do you live on this, in this world? Why do you exist in this world? Because Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. How much? And so, you know, that's a good, good appetizer. Then you get into... You get into some of the meat, and here it is. For God so loved the world that God gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world because God would not condemn the world, but rather he would condemn his own Son for the payment of the sins that you and I commit. You know what we call that? The greatest news ever. We call that the greatest news ever. Whoever believes in him, whoever has, whoever has belief and faith in him, has a, has a relationship with him because knowledge does not, tr- truth does not come in form of a word, of, of, of a spoken word, of a, a spoken quip, a 12-step program, it doesn't come in forms of that, but rather it comes in a form of a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. 
what Frederick Nietzsche and, and God and Jesus Christ is saying is that don't put your why, the purpose of why you live in things that, that, that can perish in this world. Money, it'll go. Fame, it will go. You know, uh, go, traveling to all these uh, unknown parts of the world for your internal enjoyment, betterment, that'll all disappear. Jesus will never let you go. God will never let you go. And he promised that he's waiting for you. What you believe does matter, beloved. Make Jesus your why today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace upon us. Lord, be with my beloved church and be, be with the beloved people that are here that they as a church, will make you the why, the very purpose of their life. Lord, thank you for today. We pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.